So the movie we're doing today is State and Maine. Yes. And it's a kind of behind-the-scenes production film, business film. Yeah, film production invades a little New England town. So you're more on the production side of films. I'm more on the watching side of films. Yeah. And, you know, and I guess pre-production, if you will. But, <laughs> and post. Post-post. Post-post, yeah. So I have some terms... Uh-uh. It's going to be kind of like a quiz, but also a little education lesson All right. for our listeners. Well, I'm freelance. I'm not union, so I'll maybe free- freelance these answers. <laughs> <laughs> some some are easy, but some, you know, I, I think there are people who watch the credits and say, what is that? Who Who is that? I don't understand this term. So, key grip. Key grip is the uh, head of the grip department, and what the grips do is pretty much set up uh, stands and flags they they assist the electric department which all configure together with the gaffer and then communicate with the DP that was my next uh, question I was going to ask you the gaffer yes who's he, the gaffer the gaffer is what in a charge weird title yeah the gaffer is gaffs, in charge he gaffs he's a good gaff he gaffers <laughs> um, he's in charge of the lighting the electric part of it so he communicates with the DP because the DP is obviously in charge of the cinematography and what he needs for the camera is proper lighting and that's what the gaffer is in charge of cool yeah this one I always see and I'm not 100% sure what it is the best boy so best boy, there can be a best boy for many departments. So there's best boy, grip, is it best actually boy, a electric. Boy? No, he's not actually so it can be a boy. A girl. It's not. Yes, it can be the best a boy. Girl. Yeah, it's not. It's a gender. No. It's a gender neutral. Role. But it's not really a child, right? No, there's no know. child labor. With the unions are very strict against child labor. <laughs> I thought they maybe have small hands, get inside the little parts of the camera. I, you know, I've never paid attention <laughs> to the best boy hands. Maybe I've never been a best boy. I've got some meat hooks for hands. Uh. So it's like an, the assistant. Uh, yeah, then he's like, that's you've got the best boy grip, best boy electric. So, so best boys are looking to grow up and to become gaffers. The big, you know what, you want to know what the best boys do? The best boys are in charge. Uh, Kyle, I want you to tell me what the best boys do. <laughs> the best boys are in charge of like all of the equipment and whatever they're doing. Whatever whatever department it is, so grips again, like there's a grip truck, there's an electric truck, and they have this whole list of what they need this day, and they put it out onto the hamper carts and all those and get it very, very organized. Cool. This isn't the official term for this position, but this is the supposed slang term for this position. The focus puller. The focus puller. There's obviously someone operating a camera, and sometimes the camera's on a dolly, so you got someone pushing the dolly. But the focus puller is specifically in charge of while you're moving in, you have to change the depth of the lens, and therefore the focus. And so they're turning the. The guy holding the camera can't do that. No, because you're. It's a. You know, you've seen those cameras. They're huge. So if you're behind and you're looking at a monitor, like that's right next to the camera. And I would think that'd be called the grip because you know you kind of have a good <laughs> grip, but that makes sense. It said when I looked on the Wikipedia that that was usually the first assistant camera, that it was. That the focus puller. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the clapper loader. The clapper loader. <laughs> well, clappers have definitely changed over the years. So the clapper, aka the slate, is what they used to time code back in the day. That was like literally it was called slate because it was like made out of slate, and that's what you sync up the audio and the camera with. Now so it's the, made of dragon glass, I believe. Exactly. <laughs> and so the, uh, what was the exact term again? The, cl- the clapper loader. loader. So that would be someone that like digitizes and makes sure that like each, you know, the scene is correct and the names are According correct. According to Wikipedia, that would be second assistant camera. Yeah, okay. 
Let me, let me My know. last one for you, the mm-hmm. Foley artist. I know what this one is. I just like. Oh, Foley arts, and this is also one of my like. I think is one of the coolest, coolest things. I almost said coolest things of all time. <laughs> is um, and all the great blockbusters like starting with like you know, like Star Wars does this. The Foley artist um is part of the sound department, and they go out in the field or bring stuff into a studio, and they create like let's say the lightsaber noise. And so it's all stuff from scratch or like, you know, just like pretty much like, like, oh, perfect example. And it's going back to an old episode of Twister is that the Foley artist went and took a camel like moan and reversed it. And there you go. That's the sound of a tornado. A Twister. That's cool. That's cool. I I remember seeing. So I passed? You did pass. You got 100%. I also know what a fluffer is. That's a different film. You can use that for uh, for Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. (laughs) Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rain! I'm a fucking idiot! Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Bowie. It's fun to have some fun. Fun! Fun! Tommy, that's a cave thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! (laughs) I'm always home, I'm uncool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hi, Hoff fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Today we have a, a fun movie, um, yeah. something that I'd never seen, but a lot of people have been like, you haven't seen that? Um, State and Maine. Yeah, it's one of these movies that I feel like plays a lot on cable, but um, I mean, I couldn't, it was one of those, like, either I could have bought it, or you could rent it on iTunes. What did you do? You did, you did the iTunes? No, I, I did a YouTube, my first YouTube rental. Ooh, YouTube rental. Because so I'm usually an Amazon choices. guy. Okay, yeah. But two issues I have with Amazon. Well, first issue was that it wasn't available for rent. You could buy it for nineteen ninety nine yeah. HD or $10 SD. I'd rather just literally have the DVD, and yeah. I rarely buy DVDs anymore. But another issue I have with Amazon is they're like in this ongoing feud with Google and Android, Ooh. so I can't watch it on my phone. And I rarely watch movies on my phone, but sometimes, you know, I want to go in the kitchen. and I... See, for these movies, I don't want to miss a second. Yes. So... I looked up where could I rent this movie cheaper, because I don't like to do things illegally. I like to play by the rules, and YouTube had it, and I was like, "Perfect, I love YouTube." So shout out to YouTube there. Well, I did it illegally, and surprise, it felt surprise. so so good. <laughs> <laughs> so state and Maine. State and Maine. That's not state of Maine. No, that's I can't. I I always I I do want to say that, but it's it's New England nonetheless. That's, that's a little, a little, uh, you know, it's a little uh, tricky like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because I think it would have been too obvious if it took place in Maine. Yeah. Like, oh, double meaning, oh. Puns. But this movie kind of had the tone that it would do that. Definitely. This is a very satirical, self-aware movie. And, I, I mean, you know, it's definitely, it's a, it's a fun little insight to the uh, film industry, I guess. So, sorry uh, if I missed it, but did you say you'd seen it? Uh, again, this is one of those movies that's like, okay, I haven't seen the full thing, but I was happy to watch the full thing because there's some really fun performances in it. 
I feel like you've caught a lot of movies that way. I feel like I'm learning about your movie habits or your, yeah, your channel surfing again, habits. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, that really, that really like is a good point. I definitely, I won't call it like an ADD thing, <laughs> but <laughs> like channel surfing, just like, you know, you had cable and you're just going from moment to moment in a lot of movies. And this was a movie that I just caught parts of. Quick side note. I was actually remembering something about you, and not this film, but a film that we recently did, and I won't, rem- I won't mention which one, but where you recalled the plot to me, but it was different than the plot of the actual film that we saw, and then it ended up being like, wow, Kyle like said certain scenes of this film, but it wasn't like what it was there, and then it all makes sense now. Again, you're watching Habits, and I don't blame you. Okay. Sometimes I Tell love... Tell me the movie. I'm curious. Okay, it was happiness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I told yeah. Yeah, because I think I was remembering, and again, it was after we did it, and I'm just like walking down the street, and I'm saying like, wait a minute, didn't Kyle tell me that like Philip Seymour Hoffman and this was, was the like son? A, of yeah, Dylan son. Baker. It was like a flashback. Yeah, no, I just you know what? <laughs> I was just even I was watching something the other day, and I can't recall right now, and I'm like, wow, this is a total like I rewrote in my head. <laughs> Isn't how it this funny? Movie Oh, actually, it was something really silly. It was an episode of... I've been rewatching that 70s show. Okay. And there was just happened to be two episodes that I totally combined. Oh, that happens all the time. They used to happen with Friends until I watched yeah. every one of them over again about a billion times. It's funny how we fill gaps like that, right? Yeah. Or we've discussed this before, too. We think a line is set a certain way in a movie. Oh, my God. And it happens like, all the time. And, like, yeah. you build this with your friend, and you, like, say the yep, line. And, you, right? yeah. and, and you're saying you, it, and it's, yeah. like, almost funnier the way you're yeah. saying it. And you watch the movie, it's this, like, little subtle thing. Just little thing. But, you know, that happens in pop culture, too. And it's slipping my mind. But maybe you know. There, there are certain lines in films that, like, everyone says wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, been... the most famous is, like, Luke, I am your father. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you know. about. And that's not in the film. No. He says, but, but it's one of these extrapolated things. Yeah, that... exactly. It just becomes like its own mythology in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. but th- yeah, this film definitely. It's like I rewrite things on my head, and I guess it's appropriate because Philip Seymour Hoffman is just like rewriting stuff on the oh, spot. Oh, nice segue. Movie. No, Thank but you, it, segue. It, it's true. So showbiz comedy, as you said. Yes. I had very low expectations for this film, despite what everyone says, because everyone who had said something to me was mm-hmm. in the film industry. Okay. I don't like showbiz comedies usually unless they star the Muppets. <laughs> it's true because usually they're very self-indulgent, sure. very inside okay. jokey. Yeah, this is a very... in it, The last line of this movie is inside jokey. It, they, they say, can somebody get the Teamsters some donuts? <laughs> like, I know Teamsters aren't just film industry, but they play a big part. So it's just, it's just you know... Yeah, look, and I saw there was a lot... I'm not as into the film industry as you and I saw a lot of that mm-hmm. but I also you know it, this film did exceed my expectations you know I love an ensemble cast yeah this is fun William H. Macy is great in this movie yes and, and we'll definitely discuss and that and I was a William H. Macy fan I think that was more I when I would catch this movie I would watch it for his scenes I was a fan of his however films one of your least favorite movies is a William H. Macy film go, I remember go you watching this like renting it at Blockbuster and be like I hated that movie the Cooler. <laughs> With Alec Baldwin. With Alec Baldwin. I was going to say, I feel like there's like a pack here. You know what? But I, I watched, I rented The Cooler. We were like in high school, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I watched it again and it's it's like, it's a good movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
a little redemption for the cooler here. <laughs> Thank God. They were really... Uh... I, I, I like William H. Macy, too. I grew up on, like, Mystery Men and stuff. I Not... think the first thing I saw him in, and this is and it's an R movie, Air Force One. Oh, yeah. It's like nineteen ninety. I like him in that. Yeah, he's great. He dies in that movie. That doesn't make it great, but... I mean, this is a movie that I definitely have, like, a handful of movies. I mean, there's so many movies about making movies, like, you know, productions, but... This doesn't. This hasn't made it onto my list, but there, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Ed Wood. And Ed Wood. Like, that's what I was thinking. Obviously, they're very different from Ed Wood. Yeah. What are some other production films? Because I, I was kind of, I knew, I know I'd seen some, and like I said, I just criticized a bunch. But I, off the top of my head, I couldn't think of like too many. Again, it's just not a genre I particularly like. I mean, so if you want to go with one of the most classic ones, Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Okay. Yeah, and then another. Here, I'll throw a couple. Woody Allen definitely has done a few uh, one being like the purple rose of cairo um, which i love so maybe i shouldn't say yeah. the stuff i'm saying a, but... new, a later woody allen ho- uh, hollywood ending okay not um, my favorite woody allen film yeah and then i mean there's like fellini made like eight and a half and then there's also i mean in one best picture the artist the artist uh adaptation another one of my favorite movies wasn't the movie that wow i sound terrible but the the gosling one and Emma Stone, kind of like a... La La Land? La La Land. Weren't they uh, trying to make something there? I mean, she's like an aspiring film, you know... You know what? I want to take that, that back. I don't really hate showbiz comedies. I kind of don't like the showbiz dramedies, if that makes okay. sense. Like, like I want to be a star, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay, I see, I see. Yeah, like making that, like... Trying to feel sympathetic for those characters. Yeah, because I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like no, no, and, and look, certain. I like how the film industry can look at itself, and this is definitely a film that the film industry looks at itself and sees its absurdities. Sure, but it's also like a movie that ended up making like five million dollars. So it's not like a, it's not like a crazy movie that did so well that you know it's it's, it's an independent comedy. And yeah, and I think what redeems it for me is that it's not really a true film guy directing this. It's a famous playwright, Pulitzer Prize winning David Mamet. Yeah. Who, I mean, he's written, like, I mean, we're not play guys. We've said this a million times, but if I've heard of the plays that. that I, I, even, <laughs> I even recognize. I mean, his Glenn name. Gary, Glenn Ross, and like other plays that, again, like he. This he won, is. He won a Pulitzer. Yeah. This is a guy who's like one of the great modern American playwrights. Yeah, exactly. Again, like, I'm definitely not a play... Not that I, I don't like plays. No, 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 We're no. not saying that. But I recognize this guy's name, so you know he's definitely... <laughs> he's, he's done some stuff. And, and he pulled a Tim Burton, Judd Apatow on this, and his wife is in the Yes, movie. his wife is in the film, and we will get to the cast for sure. I think, though... And... Sorry. I think that his view and his vision is seen through... Lucky for us, Phil Seymour Hoffman's character. Yes. And that, to me, is the redeeming quality of this film. And I don't think it's just because we like Phil Seymour Hoffman. That was the best storyline for me. I don't know about you. There was other, like, funny Yeah, there's fu- well, it's the most, like, fulfilling story. And the one that, the real, like, anchor of it all versus the these side characters of William H. Macy and the... Alec Baldwin and Sarah Jessica Parker, which all have interactions with Philip Seymour Hoffman, but their own side stories are just more fluff and entertainment. And because it's an ensemble, yeah, I guess film. Alec Baldwin has the second most. Yeah, he does. Yeah, 
driving force of this movie and why this production has to keep moving around from New Hampshire <laughs> to Vermont and so on. And I think um, I want to go through each uh, character and cast member because it is an ensemble. Mm-hmm. But before that, Kyle, without further ado, please, what is State in Maine about? State in Maine is about a quiet, small New England town that is disrupted by a troubled film production. The crew had to leave their last location due to its lead actor's indiscretions, but now in the town of Waterford, Vermont, a whole new list of problems begin to unfold. Nice, nice, simple. I see that you're keeping these shorter. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just... Laziness. It's easier for me. But uh, But at the same time... The audience loves them. So... Tell us who's in this film, because again, like I said, I like this cast. Um, believe it or not, if I would have re- read this cast ahead of time, which I didn't, mm-hmm. I would have been like, uh, but actually, I actually liked the people's performances here. Maybe you'll disagree, but no. Uh, so we have, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, definitely, you know, a top bill actor in this film. I'm gonna say this now, it might be wrong at the end, but if we're like, if this is our class, our Philip Seymour Hoffman class, and we're gonna like pick theses. Desai, whatever. Mine might be Phyllis Herman Hoffman is at his greatest as one of the lead characters in an ensemble cast. So far, every time I've seen him in that, not like a side character, he's great as side characters, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I really love him in these ensembles. Yeah, just like a that the roles are distributed evenly or something? Yes, yes, okay. that's a good way to put it. Again, love him as a side character. We haven't seen too much of him as the lead but I really dig when we have these like even-based ensembles and we get to his story. Because and, and, whenever we hit his story beats, he shines. Yes. And, and that's definitely true in this film. And he, play, I mean, he plays a pretty straightforward character in this movie. Yeah. But He's not like a Chuckles guy. No, you know? this isn't... Yeah, this isn't... Fraud. As I said, he seems like the window to the actual director. Yeah, he's just playing a pretty... Yeah, definitely. He's playing the window... Like, I'm very curious as to David Mamet's like, first experiences directing films if... And then, like, also writing them. Or, I mean, he was. Wrote he's not so films. much a director, he's more a writer. Yeah, so I'm curious. For as, in the film industry. As if this reflects, like, experiences he had, at least early on. You know, and an ongoing joke is like, oh, we'll make you an associate producer. <laughs> so, you know. But anyway, uh, we then we have. So oh, Philip Smirhoffman's character's name? Uh, Joseph Turner White. Joseph Turner White. I, who, I is lo- a, who, again, is a playwright. So it's definitely. It's pretty, yes, he it's plays a playwright yeah. who's kind of going into film. Yes. And he's a famous playwright. He's not like some. I mean, he's pretty young in this, like, in terms of he's not like an old man playwright. No. But he's he's a known playwright so much so that they have his plays in this town, this like yeah, backwoods they have town. Yeah, books of his it? plays and everything. Yeah, um, and then we have Walt Price. Uh, that's played by he's the director of the film, William H Macy, Hoffman collaborator, in a similar kind of role as uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah, exactly. very different subject matter, but I feel. Did, did you feel like he was pretty similar there? I mean. He's great. He, he's not like, you know, with I the mean, he's wife much more assertive in this movie. Because he, he's not... Is he the director in Boogie Nights? No. I mean, Jack is... Jack's the director, the right? Director. So now that he's director, he's finally asserting himself. That's what I see. Yeah. He's moved from porn to regular films. And then we have Anne, who is... Owns a local bookstore, right? That's like her... Or at least works at it. She owns a local bookstore. She's like head of the drama club. Yeah. She's, this is one of these little wrote towns. She's a play, so that's what they bought. These little her. New England towns. Maybe John Harden's from one. I don't know. <laughs> Previous guests on our podcast. 
with one of these little New England towns where everyone knows each other, and she's certainly someone who's very known in town. But yes. everyone seems to be in her theater group. And they also they keep going, go you Huskies. Did you? Yeah, because they're the Huskies. They're like that's their high so school team. Yeah. I never we never quite find out what happens to that 1975 season. No, but, was, uh, but the other mysteries are solved. <laughs> but yeah, so that's played and is played by Rebecca. Uh, Pigeon, I guess I was here. Yeah, I, th- I guess it's Rebecca Pige- Pigeon. P- Pigeon. Had you seen her in anything, anything else? No, but she is the as we said, the director's wife. I don't know. I mean, let's not like be jerks and assume she got it that way. But she did a good job. Exactly, and that's what I was gonna say. Whether she got it because she's the writer no, and so director's she, she wife. She was in a few other things that he had done. She she was okay. in, she was she was a theater person. I thought she did really well. Yeah. I like I mean, it translated too. well because she was in theater, and this is a very like this could be a play, a play. Yeah, exactly. And then we have um, the character of Doug McKenzie. He's Anne's fiance. He's played by Agent Coulson himself, Clark Gregg. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> I was expecting like the Hulk to show up. <laughs> didn't happen. Didn't happen. The Hulk didn't. And happen. I've never seen like Agents of Shield that Marvel show, I've but seen I a f- yeah, a few but I imagine shows. it's a lot like this. Like no superheroes. Colson walking around. Yeah. <laughs> Talking <laughs> politics. And then you have Jack, uh, who's played by Ricky Jay. Not a household name. No, but, but you've seen his face, and again, he's in Boogie Nights. Yeah, he's the DP in Boogie Nights. And so... Um, this is this very, like, Boogie Nights... We have three people so far from Boogie Nights. I think that's it. But. Yeah. And then you have Carla, who's played by Julia Stiles. We've got a little story we can talk about her. Oh, yes. Let's Julia Stiles, my childhood crush. Yeah, but we'll get to that after I finish <laughs> the uh, characters. And then we have the lead actor of the film, which, what again is the title of the film in the movie? That's the... Um, the Old Mill. The Old Mill. Though there is no mill, which is the... Once they get to the town. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, that's played by Alec Baldwin, that character. Another former collaborator Baldwin. and future yeah. collaborator and future with collaborator. Philip Zimmer Hoffman. Yeah. And, then, I, and we didn't name this when we did The Getaway, right? Because I didn't know no. that Alec Baldwin was in this. So we have The Getaway, this film, and then Along Came, and along came Polly. Maybe there'll be another that we don't know. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't recall. And then we have Claire, the female lead actor of the uh, fictional film, uh, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. I gotta ask you a question. Sure, shoot. Best Sarah Jessica Parker role ever, like the her best performance in a film, in a film. Um... We'll get back to you on that. Okay, okay. Because I think so. Again, I'm not a big Sarah Jessica Parker fan. Maybe I just resent Sex in the City. (laughs) But I thought she did a great job here. I I love, like, when we meet her character, she just is doing this film because of her role and this line that she has that right away they want to write out because it's at the watermill that they don't have a location for because yeah. we're down in the stand. And honestly, I think she's great. She really surprised me, and I think I'm going to have to watch Sex and the City again. And, and you, know, you, you know a guilty pleasure movie of mine is Failure to Launch. Oh, it's true. Sorry. That's a, that's I didn't mean a, to diss that. It's a, and uh, that's actually not a, that's not a bad rom-com. I mean, that's, I, I love... Because you can relate. At a, at a time in your life. I guess. At a time also, by the life. way, I kind of love the last one that you and I did solo was Next Stop Wonderland. And not that this is this is a comedy, but as we said, like, Filter Hoffman's is kind of like the anchored story, which mm-hmm. is definitely brings the He's rom- in this more, but... Yeah, but this his story brings the uh, rom-com vibe to the film. 
you know, the moments. So I just I just found that kind of funny. Oh, by the way, because so, I'm looking through Sarah Jessica Parker right now, she's in Strangers with Candy, so she'll be in another film. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. Now, you know what I always get confused? Like, well, I you know... Love, you love Dudley Do-Right, so you should... Mm, true. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, I true. cut you a off. A Do-Right always does right. You know where I always... I don't really think she's in, but I always see this girl as a bullshit version of Sarah Jessica Parker. Sure. And no offense to this act, actor, I don't know her name. Uh-huh. But the girl in Godzilla, who's like Matthew Broderick's opposite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like they couldn't cast Sarah Jessica Parker, because that would be too obvious. Uh-huh. I mean, not like they care, it's Godzilla. You know what Godzilla I'm talking about, though. I'm not talking about 1998, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1998 Godzilla. Yeah, so, okay, I feel kind of like a dummy, especially because I said it's one of my favorite films, but, you know, it's one of those moments that when I'm put on the spot, my mind just draws a blank. She is in Ed Wood, and she's really great. Oh, true. Wow, That's definitely, like, if you're you're also going to say, like, what was the best film she was ever in. Okay, because she's more of a television, a television actor. Yeah. I really no the her divorce new one a lot of HBO. people like yeah, yeah a lot of people like divorce. Well, I love Thomas Hayden Church, and he's phenomenal. Their 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 chemistry. You know, I'm a that. big sideways guy. So. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we both are. We lo- yeah, but um, all right. To continue with the cast, the last couple is uh, uh, this the producer, uh, Marty Rosen, the producer of like the fictional film, is played by uh, David Paymer. He's just a name that I mean. A face you've seen. Yeah, a face you've seen, yeah. exactly. And the last really like notable is uh, Mayor Bailey, played by uh, Charles During. So those are our main characters that deal, you know, then obviously our the state and wife. main characters. Ooh. <laughs> so, okay, before we really get into this movie, <laughs> I think yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't done this in a while, Hoff fans, and there's much more Hoff fans out there right now. Nitigriti. Where is it from? Please tell us, and you'll get a prize. Yes, you will get a prize. The prize will be something Kyle-related. Something Kyle? Not Philip Seymour Hoffman-related? Kyle It'll be Philip Seymour Hoffman-related, Kyle-related. I don't know. I just wanted to scare you. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you... I have some dirt on you that I will reveal to one lucky fan who guesses where the nitty is from. No, 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 no. It'll be a fun prize. Okay, yeah, exactly. It'll be worth That prize is not that fun. But, okay, we have to... We'll keep it brief, but... R slash definitely you had a bit more time, but interaction with Julia Stiles. Do we have to? I mean, I don't want to keep it brief, first of all, because I had the biggest crush on Julia Stiles growing up. Yeah. I used to watch all her movies. I went to see The Prince and Me alone in the theater. <laughs> I mean, like, this is like, I had a huge crush on her. I used to get all her magazines. She was on the cover of Rolling Stones. I was so happy. She came up the other day somehow, and someone asked me, like, what's she in? I'm like, 10 Things I Hate About You. Eh... Like Don't I just couldn't, there. you know, like think of more. But come on, we had we had an encounter with her in in New York at this bar. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't call it an encounter, right? She was at the bar. Yeah. Yes, we were sitting down next to each other, and well, did you share some like then because it was we shared some laughs. Two of us and our one friend Mike, and we and we shared some laughs. She doesn't remember me, and I wasn't really even part of a conversation. She was on a date. Yeah, I mean, presumably she was kind of. Embracing the man afterwards, so yes, I. Yeah, we saw her making. I don't want to out her in case it was like some secret, secret affair. Yeah. No, but it's probably like the guy she's. I think they got married. Oh, did? Yeah, you know what? She did marry that guy. Maybe they were married then, or maybe they were engaged then. I don't know. Mazel. I don't know, but yes, I like. I was very, very happy that night because that was a long night. 
Yeah. We, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a long night, but we had walked into this bar, and the bartender was actually a girl I went to college with, uh-huh. which was interesting, and she kept giving me free Becks, I believe. Uh, and Lex. Julia Stiles walks in, and yeah. and we were just like, whoa! And then we even I had a great my... picture. Maybe we'll post that picture. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. We'll Let's post that picture we'll post on our picture Facebook. It is on the Facebook now. Once you hear this episode, Hawk fans, so check it out. <laughs> yes, when when Brian... when I sort of photo bombed Julia Stiles, yeah, and my kept, childhood crush. I kept the field. phone on the bar. It was just like, <laughs> beep, 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 like just like pressing, like you know. She's great though. Met fan, native New Yorker. So like, I, yeah, get... Ryan Stiles' daughter, right? Yes, if Ryan Siles' daughter. <laughs> I love, I love, and you've said this before. Like yeah. people believe that because it's believable. Yeah, like, you know? she's like tall, slender, blonde. <laughs> no, but again, I, again, I grew up a huge Julia Stiles fan. Just had a big crush on her. She was, you know, kind of in a lot of teen movies. When I wasn't a teen, I was like a little bit younger than a teen. But yeah, but you know how it is. You always watch movies and have crushes on people who are like two or three years older than you. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she's in this. And then you watch them again when they're like young. No, I, really I, I, I try not to do that. <laughs> try to I do try it. not to. <laughs> I haven't seen ten things about I hate about you in a long time. It holds. It holds up. It's a good movie. No, no, I have seen that one. So that that's a lie. But yeah. Um. But yeah. That's that's our little. You know. Save the last dance. So, ooh, save the last dance. So stayed in Maine. Yeah. We're getting to it, people. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. So, like you said, they arrive. I love how this movie kind of starts because they arrive in this town yeah. in Vermont, and the mystery is why they have to leave New Hampshire. They were shooting a film in New Hampshire, and they picked up production and went to Vermont. Reason being that they built a mill there. Now they've run out of money, the production. New Hampshire wanted more money, and so they're kind of holding that hostage to make more money. That honestly was more of the ploy reason that they were telling the studio. They were really... I inferred that they were holding the mill hostage because of the legal reasons. Oh, okay. You think that's <laughs> even, like, the town, like, they even knew there, they're just like... Yeah, I think something town. that happened there because, happened, you know, the, yeah, something that happened here happened there. Yeah, because Bob... As Alec Baldwin says, everyone has to have a hobby. <sighs> so creepy when he says those Why lines. do we keep watching these movies that, like... Like sensationalize I... underage stuff. <laughs> they have that little line. Someone says, "I'll oh, find him a fourteen-year-old," and he's just like in front, of, like the hotel manager of the hotel they're renting out. And William H Macy's like, "No, find him a twenty-eight-year-old or half two eight. halves of a twenty-eight." Yeah, two halves of a twenty-eight-year-old. <laughs> he's like, "How do you like my math there?" <laughs> I mean, but I love a movie that just gets right to it and it paints a pretty vivid picture you're in this like small town america and you've got like the town doctor and the town priest just walking and talking so then up pulls this van and you've got walt again william h macy's character he's the director and then i didn't get the actor's name but he's the location manager that's why i assume I, they never even say it but he's definitely he's talking locations with him most of the time so and then the uh dp this like italian or definitely european yeah and guy. these are kind of like industry stereotypes sure like the yeah the visual especially the european dp yeah and but i mean they just throw around that like you said like the jargon industry jargon inside jokes the locations and like the the dp is really worried about this one shot that they're supposed to get of the firehouse but they won't be able to get because this has this beautiful 
stained glass Dalmatian on the uh, <laughs> upper, uh, uh, yeah the upper window of this firehouse. Oh, now that makes so much more sense because flash forward later he throws a brick through. Yeah, it. the DP is like out in this rainstorm and he just like throws a brick up to break this beautiful stained glass window <laughs> and just does kind of like an evil like Italian chuckle. <laughs> He's like at that moment he just takes on Wario from. <laughs> cut to even more locals and they're in the diner you meet uh ricky jay's character jack he's like the owner chef of the diner and then is his daughter carla julia styles yeah julia styles okay yeah because at first i for a second she has like a because remember he says i'm gonna ground you in the one scene yeah yeah later on so you've got jack and carla that's the father daughter and carla um, sorry, what's Alec Baldwin's character's name? This movie's so fast that you don't get a lot of yeah, names. Yeah, no, you really don't it's get a very to, like, fast appreciate, like, the only names you hear, like, the most are, like, Joe for, you know, PSH, Walt, and then, like, Marty later on. So but, Walt um, is Alec Baldwin? No, uh, oh. Alec Baldwin is Bob. Bob. Bob Berenger. Bob Berenger, because I think Tom Berenger. Yeah. Um, So Bob Berenger, Alec Baldwin, he's, like, the big-time actor here. Yeah, he's enough that Julia Stiles' character like sees him in magazines and knows exactly what he likes. Yeah, he and... orders a tuna BLT, and she sees even in the magazine says favorite food tuna BLT. She's, she's I say the character with like the kind of, not a lot of characters of depth here because a lot of them are caricatures. She doesn't have a lot of depth, but she she's basically like, oh, here's a celebrity. Let me go after him. Yeah, I mean, she has a magazine. She thinks this guy is hot, or at least he's, like, attractive. At least he's famous. famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, definitely, I mean, hey, even one TV show on NBC, Ed, that was, like, a big one that filmed by us in the Northern, yeah, yeah, Northern where, Valley. Yeah, yeah, where we were growing up. Yeah, they used the bowling alley that was in Norwood, and then, you know, you were in Old Japan, I was in Harrington Park. But there was, my dad knew the DP, he was, like, friends with him. So my mom was really cool and let me stay home one time and check it out because they were filming right up the street by the deli that I worked at. And it was just, you know, it's just one of those things that when you see people filming in, you know, like, just because it really, it's almost like a battle scene that people invade. I mean, that's what this movie is, people invading a small town. Yeah, it's again, I was going to say, especially in a small town, I obviously remember that. And while that show wasn't, like, that big... It, it felt big for us. It yeah. felt like we lived in Stuckyville, Ohio, which was the fictional town where, where Ed took place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just, you have the trailers that show up, you have those big vehicles, like, with all the electrician and camera equipment and grip equipment, and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's called a production for a reason, but it was just a really cool experience to, you know, see the places that I go to every day end up being on national TV that, you know, millions of people are watching. This is where you kind of learn about how productions work, too, and how they change things. I remember uh, a friend of mine growing up, Chad, he, him and his friend Dan were in a, a shot riding their bikes, and, and they're like, oh, we're in the next episode, in the next episode, and I remember watching the next episode, they dubbed their voices, like, saying something to Ed or whatever, or the neighbor, <laughs> like, and I was like, I, I, yeah, like, like, thanks, Mr. Blah Blah Blah, and I was like, what the Ch- hell? Chad did have a high voice when he was there, <laughs> No, but it wasn't, come on, <laughs> it wasn't like that, and I was like, oh, wow, why don't they just use their regular voices? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, like, Movie now magic. it's more, yeah, more obvious why. Um... Well, now that, but, you know, I live in Hoboken now, you live in the city. Yeah, no, no, no it's kind of <laughs> different. become a little no, jaded, I, too. When I see those orange signs, I'm like, oh, what production are they filming? What are they doing? But Freaking Law & Order. Yeah, no, it's usually Law & Order SVU, and it usually bow, disrupts bow. my parking situation. And 
Yeah, and then I'm like, fuck that. Yeah, if, if it ru- yeah, if it gets in the way of now, like that, we're like actually have jobs, and it gets in the way of our daily routines. Yeah, if it's someone else's neighborhood, I'm like, oh, that's cool, oh, awesome. But it's in my neighborhood. I'm like, okay, I can't park here on Friday because they're shooting elementary. Yeah, screw Lucy Lou. You know, like it just <laughs> it just gets me mad sometimes. But again, jaded, bigger city, small town. It's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, this is so. I mean, where we grew up, suburbs of New York, but this is small New England town and so you know like we had that diner scene we met all the locals and then we get to this hotel that becomes a center yeah the hotel becomes like the epicenter of the production the headquarters of the production really while they're in town yeah they They rent the old they rent the whole hotel from this guy yeah and that guy's like all excited to meet uh Bob Bob Berenger Alec Baldwin's character I really hope it's not a Tom like Tom Berenger's into 14 year olds or something I don't let's not put that on the record that is not yeah no there's no knowledge we have about Tom Berenger being into that or being anything like Alec Baldwin's character here except that he was a famous star more of the 80s and early 90s than yeah. when this film was out but favorite uh, Tom Berenger films we do get to favorite see... Tom Berenger films. oh fa- I'm sorry favorite Tom Berenger films. well Major League Major League I'm a platoon guy I like platoon yeah he's, um, he's scary in that isn't he in like a cow- oh. cowboy film well he's um is he? I, I know. So. Come on, he's in one of our favorite ensemble movies. What? Oh, the Big Chill. Yeah, yeah the, the Big, big Chill. chill. <laughs> uh, Jeff Goldblum. You have the uh, the soundtrack on vinyl. Yes, which doesn't have that song. Can't always get what you want. That's I guess that's... irony. Irony at its finest. <laughs> no, but he he's in the Big Chill. I with, get it. Again, that's Tom Berenger. No, yeah, this, this is, is Bob, Bob Berenger, played by Alec Baldwin. Here. And so he comes in all. Well, you know, he doesn't come. He doesn't come into this scene yet but we just see Phillips and Hoffman in the background yeah and then he has this, this is when we first see him right yeah and then he he goes into the room and he's talking to uh, William H. Macy Walt, you know character Walt and the location manager and they're just doing this troubleshooting because they find out again that they the old mill has burned down so they now tell um, Joe the screenwriter that he has to pretty much come up they're like what's the equivalent what fills yeah because in? the film they're shooting is called the old mill which yeah. we learn and there's no old mill in town like you said it burnt down in this string of fires yeah this this weird arson attack that a lot of things burnt 60s. down in yeah. in the 60s no one actually scouted this location because it was kind of last minute and the entire film called the old mill has to be kind of reworked yeah, so they're like, find mill. the equivalent right That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Phillips and Robin's like I can't I need to know what like I I don't know what to write and and the and the big thing is that in the move from New Hampshire to Vermont they've unfortunately lost his typewriter. It so seems to be him, like his lucky typewriter. Right? Yeah, like, like he, I he mean just... we know like I know Woody Allen has like a ty- like he mm. types on a typewriter so it just seems like he's typed his plays on it that you know Joe that is he is a typewriter guy. Yeah, and he likes that feeling. I mean we we're also talking this is what 1999 2000 so. yeah i mean it's not really a typewriter era but it's still but it's closer still not, yeah. than now like now they're like oh let me use a typewriter like you pretentious yeah. you pretentious hipster yeah exactly like why are you using a typewriter? my typewriter to starbucks <laughs> <laughs> but um so he, this is where we get our next scene uh we get kind of like our meet cute between joe and Anne. yeah but before we touch on that a mm-hmm. couple things there i really like this is where you first see william h macy do this thing that producers do a lot I guess directors do a lot oh, when yeah. they're talking about creative things yep. they kind of like instead of saying hey we don't have old mill write something different it's he, he, he kind of like tries to put it in an artistic way 
And every it's just time, a way, it's totally like trying to. It's bullshitting. Butter Joe's bread. Yeah, it, it's bullshitting every time, and he does this with actors in the movie. Like, oh yeah, see yourself in this, or do that, or what would this person do? And really, it's just like, yeah, we can't do that, so do this. And then I love. Then there's the inside joke that happens throughout the film. I just, I, I love how it progresses. But he says, "We'll give him an associate producer's credit." Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> and then he like. Uh, Walt and the location manager, they joke about they even do a little cool handshake with one another. And then Joe walks out and talks to this guy, Tommy. I think Tommy's the associate director. He's the guy that his wife is pregnant. And Walt keeps saying that, like, he can't. Yeah, yeah. Like, does it matter? Is it part of the film? No, I don't care about it. But he seems, he's he's the one that's, like, telling people action and telling people to get to set. So I'm assuming he's the uh, associate director. But (laughs) Joe goes up to. to Tommy and says, so what's an associate producer again? Uh, and what does he say? He says that it's something, something you, give. you give to your secretary yeah. instead of giving a raise, <laughs> <laughs> like a credit you give. So it's just like, it's, it's fun little things like that, that I've, I recognize things from working on productions that I don't expect other people to get, but that's like a fun little moment where then your average person will be like, Oh yeah, we, we have that, you know, everyone has that in their workforce that you give some, someone like a little, they think that it's a compliment or a bump. In yeah. The- it's almost like when it, there's certain jobs that I know, like friends, friends of ours or friends of mine have had where they give you a promotion, quote unquote, yeah, a new but title, it, but, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah. come with a pay raise. It's almost like even like Dwight, like assistant to the regional manager. Yeah in the office it's like just cute you know yeah it's i feel like the associate producer credit and this is not dissing any of you associate producers out there a lot of times especially in big hollywood things it's just given out as like as it says in this film but it's almost just it's for people who aren't necessarily associated in the industry yeah and it just makes them feel good to get something done and we see that here because they say you know they need a horse right they need a particular looking horse yeah and they said they're going to give the guy who owns the horse an associate producer credit. And he says, I'll even give it to the horse. horse. You know? <laughs> and I guess we take it that Philip Springer Hoffman's character must have been given this. Yeah. Because that's why he asks like about it. And that, that's his first, like, oh, my God. Like, well, a big part later on in the movie when uh, Joe is put in a predicament Walt even says, like, you do this, I'll, I'll get you to direct the next movie. Like, it's just, it's, it is, just, I mean, it's a, Hollywood is a, a swindling town. <laughs> and that kind of Hollywood swindling town mentality is on a road show here when they film in these on-location small towns. Definitely. So this Meet Cute we've been alluding to. Yes, Meet Cute, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, he's walking up to the outside of this bookstore and... He sees the doors close, but there's the little clock sign thing that says "Be back at two. And well, let's, you know what? Let's let's play. We'll, we're gonna play this clip for you. Yeah, let's play this clip because I actually this, like this one a this lot. Entire scene. Excuse me. You said uh, your sign says uh, you'd be back at two o'clock. It's a quarter to three. Fun. If you don't make it yourself, it ain't fun. It's entertainment. 
See my point? Northern Books. What can I do for you? I, I need a typewriter. We got him. North. No, Henry James was the novelist. Frank James was a criminal. Yep, you came to the right place. Jesse James was the brother of the novelist. That's right. That's all right, Susie. See you tomorrow, Susie. Okay. Now I want to rent this one. Why don't you buy it? Only 40 bucks. I had one, but they lost it. You buy this typewriter, I'll get it all spruced up for you, good as new. Better than new, because it has some history. Other one in history, too. I wrote my play on it. You wrote a play on it? What play is that? You never heard of it. What's it called? Anguish. Anguish by Joseph Turner White. You're Joseph Turner White? That's right. Good afternoon, Annie. Girls, this man wrote this play. That a fact? Well, is it a good play? Yes, Maud, it is. It is a very good play. A very good play indeed. Well, what's he doing here? What are you doing here? Writing the movie. You're writing the movie? Yeah. What's it about? It's about the quest for purity. You know, first off, this scene makes me think... I, I wonder if he took, like, a little bit from... Do, do, does he have a bit of a Woody Allen vibe to him? Yeah. Like, he, you know, he's got the sport coat, the glasses. I, it almost actually makes me sad that he was never in a Woody Allen. I think he would have played a good Woody oh, Allen Oh, he would have. He would have good. Character. He would have played a good one. Um, I think... I don't know if that's so much him rather than, like, perhaps the director's choice. or Sure. Or it's just kind of... I just of, asked that again because he was known to pick, like, his outfits. True, true. So, you know, that's a good point. Um, but... Regardless, I mean, you you hear it there like he needs a typewriter. Yeah. And this is uh this becomes spoiler alert his love interest in the film. Yeah, I love. I mean, it is kind of like a fun meet cute, and you just see their very defined personalities because he comes up and the sign says you know be back at two, and then she walks up and he's like it says you're supposed to be back at two it's a quarter to three and then she just kind of pushes yeah. it around and puts it to three o'clock and in a previous scene you saw she actually engaged right or at least with yeah she's engaged right yeah to a clark gregg's character clark who's gregg's like character. this two-bit politician i mean yeah. he's, he's not he corrupt wants... or anything well no no, no. well eventually he's just... but <laughs> he, he's just he's like one of these go-getter politicians yeah which doesn't fit ambitious in. yeah and doesn't that doesn't really fit into this like quaint new england town scene. no no he's... he seems like someone that would thrive in like a city area yeah he's he's kind of he's trying to galvanize the people on whatever cause he can that'll exactly. get him elected traffic lights etc but and I, I love, there's just, he's, uh, he just seems like a very regimented kind of character. And he's also, he's also humble because he's like, oh, you've never heard of my play. Yeah. And she has. And she, and you can tell that she's actually a fan, you know, like a, she is a fan of she it. She knew exactly where it was in the store. She, she tells those, uh, the old lady customers like who they are and that's a very good play. And it's just a nice little interaction between these two characters that will, Pretty much for the a majority of his screen time in this movie is shared with her. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I, honestly, right away, I feel like they have chemistry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this. Uh, th- they have the very not that they're opposites, but you just feel like they're people that would complement one another. Well, there's yeah, there's always this debate, right? Like, oh, the people say opposites attract, or yeah. find someone you have like common things with, and it's like, but, but I think sometimes it's. 
not to get like philosophical about relationships here. No, please I, do. <laughs> no, I think sometimes it's opposite personalities, similar yeah. interests, if that makes sense. Well, it's just like anything that like it's not black and white. It's this gray. No. It's this. It's a gray area, and that's and so when it comes to relationships, it's that you don't have to be into the same exact things, but you. No, but you these know. people are into similar things. Yeah. But they have like opposite personalities. Sure. Joe's kind of introverted, you know, your stereotypical writer. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne is more the extrovert. She like leads the town play, as we've said before. And yeah, well, it's also because I think he's made it, and she's just kind of like doing it as a hobby. I'm sure she would take the career, but she's just kind of doing it as this like hobby. Yeah, that makes sense. Like we said, it's a pretty fast-paced movie. Yeah. Like a lot of quick scenes, play-esque. And so, I mean, you know, J- uh, P- uh, PSH, Joe has an interaction with Bob. Like, I grew up on your movies. You just have, like, all these, you know, the writers now talking with the lead actor. Just your normal things that happen on a set. So, yeah, and we get that one scene, right, where... Well, we're introduced to Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Claire, right, Claire. And she's... She's clearly a popular actor who famously, everyone in Hollywood knows what her breasts look like. Yeah. That's kind of, it seems like, whether it's right or wrong, it seems like that was part of the reason she was cast in this film. Because she that has, she's, she's been comfortable in the past of showing her breasts. Yes. Yeah. And there's a frontal nudity scene in this film. That's one of her the sticking points, too. But she, hilariously, says the reason that she signed onto this film was the scene at the old mill. Which now they have no mill. And he's and Joe has been told by Walt that you gotta yeah, write yeah. the scene. And he tells Walt uh, tells like Joe he has to explain to Claire. Essentially yes, but it's not he doesn't tell him that. Yeah. He kinda of just puts him on the spot. So Claire, which we later find out has I guess found Christianity, but she doesn't really like say that. But she doesn't no longer want to do that bare breast scene, so that's ready strike one. Mm-hmm. But the big strike is is instead of saying, oh, we can't do it because of the old mill, Walt says, yeah, uh, Joe's having some different thoughts about the scene, aren't you, Joe? William H. Macy really does like shine <laughs> as this like swindler, this like, schmoozer, <laughs> this whole, like, he just puts people in these predicaments. Yeah, and, and he's looking at Joe like, lie for me. Yeah. Like, so I don't get caught. Yeah, cover my ass. And you can tell Joe's just not comfortable doing it. And we don't actually see it, mm. but it's clear from the next scene at, at the train station mm-hmm. that Joe definitely doesn't say that because... Yeah, he's like, I don't know if I quit. I don't know if I got fired. But he and Anne, uh, you know, walk around, and she says that she has, like, a typewriter for him. And that's when they discuss, like, the firehouse, and we see this the stained glass again. Pretty much Joe... Is start. I mean, they're f- having feelings for one another, but he says you've got away with words. Yeah, you can. Like I said, you can tell there's chemistry, and I I like this side we're seeing of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't think we've seen it yet, where he's like an innocent, quote unquote, romantic interest. I love. Well, <laughs> is he on a quest for purity? As he said, <laughs> the screenplay. Yes, he said he wrote the screenplay as a quest for purity. Yeah. But have we seen it yet? Have we seen him like just be like a romantic? Lead again. I'm not talking about like a Ryan Gosling romantic lead, but in terms of where he's just like a nice guy, not looking for love but finding love. No, this is. I mean, we're gonna get some of those later. Later, on. yeah. Because like, think about it. Um, in Next Stop Wonderland, he's the 
asshole boyfriend. Yeah. And he's got his, like, mission. And we're not going to say he's, like, an innocent guy in happiness. That's the closest no. to, like, a love storyline we have. <laughs> but no. No. Yeah, we don't a, discuss that any further. What a one that was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. But this is the first time we're seeing this almost, like... Look, we've said this a million times. We always see vulnerability in him. This yeah. is the first time we're only seeing, like, an innocent, like, romantic-ish character. And I don't mean romantic. Like, he's a romancer. It's just it's a nice side to see of him, and I think he nails it. I think he does well. Yeah, he's just he feels that like this little town is charming, and then he even compliments the house. And he's like, "Oh, you know, a nice person that would a nice person would live there." And she's like, "That's my house." <laughs> and then he's like, oh, "I love that swing." And he's just like, "Do you mind if we?" Maybe it's because I'm a writer, but yeah. like I, I relate to that so much. You yeah, know? And he's just he's absorbing everything. He's taking in yes. everything. And he's seeing it makes it. for a strong character. I mean, that's strong writing, but that makes for an interesting character. Yeah, and he's seeing himself as a part of this community. He's yeah. an outsider, but he's picturing himself in it, and it helps him write better. Because God knows, Walt is making him do all these rewrites. Yeah, well, and, and again, they have like I'll call it like it's like a good call and answer between him and Anne because he's like, "Do you mind?" She's like, "That's what the swing is there for. Let's swing on it." But then. Uh, Doug shows up. That's Doug, the yeah. Clark Gregg character, and Agent Coulson. This is definitely where we're short. We knew there were a thing, but they're so they're engaged, and she says to him, "Like, oh. apparently, he found an Infinity Stone." And so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the thing is about Clark Gregg's character is he's a little bit oblivious here. Yeah, he doesn't like. Oh, you're with my girl. Like a later, he catches on, but at this point, he's like, "Hey, he's like excited about something silly in the town." Or well, the same token. I mean, when Anne finally says like she's leaving and she's fallen in love with a guy from the production, it's like, how long have they been there for? And she's fallen in love with somebody. Oh yeah, you know, true, it's like... true. I do get that aspect of it. <laughs> so, besides the world of production, we're also seeing like what do we want to call this? Small town politics? Small town politics, but again, <laughs> as it relates to production. So yeah. one of the things, what is it? Oh, they need to close down the main street. Yeah. Um, so the state and main, you know? Hey, okay, there we go. <laughs> Those are the two streets. I think we mentioned it. Yep. Um, that That's why this movie's called that. The titular that. streets. <laughs> yes. The title, yeah, I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying Titular. titular. I just said it. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, the, yeah, there's this whole thing where they need a permit to do that, and Walt... William H. Macy's character is schmoozing the mayor. And and the mayor invites him to dinner. He's like, of course, I would love to go to dinner with you. And the mayor tells him, oh, the permit, you know, that's just a formality. I control the city council, no worries. And basically the mayor the entire time is inviting people to this dinner, like inviting all production people, even even invites Alec Baldwin's character. Yeah, I, Charles Durring does, that's the guy that, Charles plays, Durin, yeah. that plays the mayor. He does like, I mean, it's a small, simple part, but he just has like this warmth to him mm-hmm. that just makes you feel like... You he know, seems like a small town mayor. Yeah, exactly. Just has like a really fun small town mayor vibe. So th- this was driving me crazy though throughout the entire film. Like, I, I, you know, just like the OCD in me was nuts because... What happens is, right, like they have a whiteboard yeah. and Walt tells his assistant to write when the, the mayor, or he writes when the mayor's appointment is on the whiteboard. Yep. It gets erased and he yells at his assistant to like write it back on there and she writes the wrong date. <sighs> and the whole time I'm like, oh no. Yeah, oh no. that's oh my like God. a big, in, in, oh my God. It ends up being a pretty big like crux. Like, yeah, but and you know it's going to come back to haunt them because they keep like looking at it. Like yeah. They'll keep to, cutting to a shot to it. So basically the, this important dinner with the mayor and the mayor's wife is, like, getting ready for this. She's redoing the entire house yeah, taking out, for like, this all, dinner. All the mayor's fun tchotchkes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, like, really <laughs> just, like, making it, like, a rustic home. Like, with like, I guess what this Hollywood production, like, would or expect from this home. And 
again, we see how this date is just wrong. And it, we know it's going to come haunt them later. And between all this, we're getting more um, just scenes between Philip Smirnoffin's character Joe and Anne. Yeah, they I, whether they bump into one another or he goes and like to like see her in particular. And this is what I was mentioning before. This it, it is my favorite arc in the film. It's it's my favorite thing. And we we are returned yeah, to they it. They have good one, chemistry. They have great chemistry. David Mamet chose wisely uh, his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great. Maybe I mean Maybe who that knows? was their meet cute. Of, Maybe yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman copied David Mamet's ma- mannerisms. And... Mamet, Mamet, say that five times fast. Yeah, Mamet mannerisms. Could be Mamet. <laughs> Mamet yeah. don't we don't know. To... That's like Turkish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the big scenes, and this actually is the scene that leads uh, Anne to decide she wants to leave Clark Gregg's character, is that whole thing is glasses break. Yeah, so they're walking around again, and... His glasses break, and then he gets the fish hook in his hand. She tries to like... <laughs> yeah, she she mends. She's like, "Oh, I got a quick fix for the glasses." And, and of course, a small town, like you were saying before, like a Chad situation <laughs> of like a kid just like walking around in town. It's just like, oh, like let's go fishing. And, and oh, this is also a really fun thing in the movie is that every like town person she passes by when she's like with Joe or whatever they rem- they kind of say a line from the play because everyone in town is going to be in this play. Yeah. And they're all like semi-auditioning in front of her. Yeah. And she sees like someone, like a little kid fishing and she's like, oh, let me, uh, you know, give me some of that line. And yeah. while they're like attaching the line, Joe gets a fish hook in his finger, which becomes important. Yeah. Important to the next scene for sure because he ends up going to the hospital and he can't write. Yeah. He can't type. He, says he, he, can't can't. T- he says he can't type. Yeah, he says he can't type. Who knows? <laughs> but regardless, I think that's an excuse because he's still like he's having a really hard time. Yeah. coming up with like his fingers taped up. Yeah, there's a scene almost right after, right where. Well, then that's definitely this is the point. As silly as it is, that Anne realizes that like Joe is the guy for her and not Doug. I think it's simple, and I think this happens a lot in real life where. You're with somebody, whether you're engaged or you're in a relationship or married, I hope not, but, you know, married, and you just assume that you're going to spend the rest of your life with that person. And then you meet someone who you connect with more, and you're like, whoa, world rocked. And again, she's not married yet, so she kind of takes this time to be like, you know, I feel like not correct you, but to be a l- differ from you a little bit for what you said, the production's only in town for a couple days, so that's kind of a really rash decision. Yeah. I think, one, she's kind of a free spirit. Two, it's one of these things where she sees the possibility of being happier with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So she's not like, I'm leaving you, Agent Coulson, to be with Philip Zimmer Hoffman's character. I'm leaving you for the chance that it may lead to something with him. Yeah, I mean, it like, would be it would be silly if she says like, like I'm marrying like, him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those movies where they're, they're at the wedding and she's like, "No, I'm going to marry this person." Yeah, the yeah, no, no, no. And, and it's nothing like that, you yeah. know. So she tells him, and he's like, he's kind of shocked. Uh, but then this is where he really has it out for the production. Yeah, because he's been going and realizes like the whole time he's saying to the mayor like we should be getting like one yeah, percent, three percent, ten percent, you know, of like this movie. Now he just kind of wants to destroy it. Yeah, because it's kind of destroyed him, and 
so that then we get to pretty much a very well, you know what we're getting, this is the scene this is a great great scene yeah i want i want to set it up though so sure. like we said he tells walt that he really can't type and they're like get me a typist find someone who could type so he gets his assistant to find a typist and then we have like sarah Jessica parker and uh She's very happy because he stood up for her earlier too, saying that like you shouldn't like inf- saying that you shouldn't make her if she doesn't want to. Be yeah. Okay. So so back to this whole like breast thing. She doesn't yeah. want to show her boobs. Yeah. And, and again, Walt tries to bring Joe in, and Joe stands up for Sarah Jessica Parker. Say it's you know not yeah, if she's fair. not comfortable. If she's not comfortable with it, then she's not comfortable with it. Yeah. Pisses Walt off. Obviously, Walt kind of is like. Sees it as a power play. He even gets on the phone with her agent. Yeah. And the agent actually, which is funny because you kind of don't know Sarah Jessica Parker's intentions. Like, is it really that she's like found God or does not want to show her breasts again? Or is it because she wants more money? Because the agent yeah. says like, yeah, if you pay me more. Yeah, it's like $800,000. Yeah, $800,000, she'll yeah. do it. Yeah, because at this point we get we get the character of uh, Marty the producer, and he yes, was, Marty he, the producer shows yeah. up, and Marty the producer is like, "We got to get this done. I have an idea. Yeah. And some company wants to promote us, and it's a computer company. Yeah, and the movie is a period piece, at, like the yeah, early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> like I got some ideas. We have the art department, which is just again a silly take on product placement in films. Yeah, not as good as Wayne Wayne's, Wayne's World. Wayne's World, yeah. But it's still. I just don't understand all these yeah. books. <laughs> and it's the choice of a generation. <laughs> Small, yellow. <laughs> like the, yeah, little yellow, little. different. <laughs> but um, in, in this product placement scene, this is where we get kind of like again, we I don't know Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker's characters, Claire, her motivations. It's clear that she doesn't want to show her breasts. But everyone's got a price. Everyone has a price. But Joe, I don't think he thinks that. I think Joe honestly thinks that she's like a good person and she doesn't want... Yeah, because he's a good person. Yeah, doesn't want that to happen. Not saying she's a bad person for wanting money to do that. No. But it's just more... She doesn't play it that way. Yeah. She plays it more like she's an innocent, you know, even though... (laughs) What does the one AD say at one point? Oh, that you draw it from memory? Yeah, like you could draw her, her... her breast from memory that so many times you've seen it <laughs> um so we get this weird hotel room scene right like yeah, where she knocks on joe's door she knocks on joe's door i guess she's again i don't know if she's actually into him she's just like that or she's trying to get him to write the scene she wants no i think it just seems like she's just pretty much showing up and like very flattered that you know, uh, he stood up for her. Yeah. And that's a rare situation, I guess. And essentially gets naked. No, no, no. Yeah, she, yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, she gets so, so naked for him. This is, since this is a very, very visual scene, but we still want to play it because we love the dialogue, we'll play it from here. And yeah. I'll... Well, because it becomes a comedy of errors and Anne Yes, up. almost like a Three's Company episode. Hi, right, look. I feel so close to you. I like you very much. I like you too. Look, I, I met someone. Who is it? Room service. Could you leave it just outside the door? You have to sign for it. Would you excuse me? Of course. <clears throat> Hi. Oh, God. I'm going to be your typist for this evening. And here's some hydrogen peroxide. I don't drink. It's for your finger. Uh, that's very thoughtful. Well, here I am. Should we get down to it? (laughs) 
thought you might like these. Thank you very much. Read the card. Uh, to the love of my life, love, Doug. The other side. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Where are you going? Don't you think we should put these in water? For God's sake, why? Because if you don't, they die. Hmm. And in my opinion, that makes them so much less attractive. Wait, 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 wait. Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Wait. Yep, the little things mean a lot. Yes, little things mean a lot. That's so true. For example, I once had an uncle who was bit by a spider and he lost a sense of smell. Can I have a cracker? Please. Should we start? Start typing. This isn't a good time. Oh, all right. <laughs> then I'll come back at a better time. What would be a better time? Later on. Then I'll come back then. You, you going out with your fiance tonight? No, no, that's not happening. I'll see you tomorrow. me you'd want to have this sort of a memento of our oh am i i hope i'm not disturbing you she came in here wait she i was giving her a massage wait wait she came in here she with all due respect she took off her clothes and she got into bed and i told her we could not because uh, we don't know each other. We you had should... a script conference. And I said, thank you very much. I had a couple questions about a line. But uh, it was uh, inconvenient because... Uh, because... You can do it. Because I met someone else. Oh, okay. You believe that? I do if you do. But it's absurd. So is our electoral process, but we still vote. Wait, do you truly think the electoral process is absurd? I used to go out with a politician. You used to go out with him? You broke up with him. Time for a change. Keep your margins straight. Yes. <laughs> it's just, again, this is like so... This is a very, actually, it's an interesting take on, you know, this is a scene that happens in plenty of TV yeah, shows yeah. and movies. I know exactly almost what you're going to say, right? Because I thought, I'm like, I thought the movie was going to get crappy, you yeah. know, in terms of like Anne was going to come in and be like, I was oh. going to leave Doug for you. Yeah. Get, like over dramatic. And I'm like, I don't want to see this. She believes him. It, mind you, that is a little weird and almost unbelievable. Yeah. But. Anne's personality kind of fits this, where it's just like a quirk thing. Yeah. Cause, I mean, look. I guess she's very comfortable. I, you know, I mean, in a mo in a land of Hollywood where there's a lot of vanity and, yeah. and insecure people, even if they're beautiful and wealthy, like this is a, Anne is a woman that's she's kind of like a strong female character. She's comfortable in her own skin. That's that's very fair. And Joe, I mean, 
like Claire seems comfortable in her own skin, despite her not literally, despite her saying she's not. Yeah. Um, but Joe, I like what Phil Schumerhoffen does here. He's like, I know it's something we've seen a million times, but it's it's like he's predictably nervous because he actually likes Claire. Hence a very like it could be like a Woody Allen type <laughs> scene. <laughs> like, but you know, he actually likes Claire, and I thought he was actually going to get away with all this hiding because if, if you didn't get that from the clip like Sarah Jessica Parker's kind of hiding yeah they keep walking around the room and like Joe thinks she's gonna be again one of these scenes you've seen a million times yeah in the closet under the bed etc because um, Anne has those flowers it's kind of like a like this is like a guy move she's taking the flowers that Doug <laughs> gave her and she's gonna give flowers to Joe it's like you know a very I don't know if I want to call it role reversal, but there is that vibe. Yeah, and it. I think it's funny that, again, these flowers just keep getting passed along. Yeah. Because, the, like, the flowers Doug gave her were the same flowers that uh, Claire liked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she comes back in with that lore, as we heard, because that's kind of their symbol of... Yeah, the fishing line, yeah. yeah. I mean, the fishing lore. Um, yeah, so it, it's, again, it's interesting, and it's different... I'm not sure I'm I'm 100% believe it. I do. But it sets in motion that this couple's kind of going to work out. So there's not too much conflict with them anymore. Is that fair to say? No, I mean... That's... Not in terms of their getting together and no. them being a couple. Is there conflict in the film? Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're on, like, good terms. And, you know, she came there to be his typist. And he's just like, you know, can, can you come back, like, in a little bit? And, you know, like, there's zero... There's not a crisis in their relationship. No. The, the big thing that comes up is then going to be with Bob, and then because of <laughs> that Julia situation. Styles, yeah. yeah, Bob and Carla. I know I said... And that yeah. dinner. Yeah. And I know I said I liked their storyline, but that doesn't mean I think that it should just be their storyline, because the movie would just be boring. Mm -hmm. um, it's very cute. It makes me feel good. I think they do a good job. But the crux of the conflict in this film is not them. No, I mean... It, the, yeah. it later becomes Joe, but it's not their love story. Can I just say one thing? This film is rated R, and for... A re you know, they keep saying that Claire's character is comfortable being nude. Thought I was going to get some boobs in this movie. <laughs> Even a body double? What? How is this movie R? Did you really pick up... I'm not sure. Wasn't... I, don't, I'm, I, I guess because there's a pedophile angle. Yeah. Maybe. It's not... There's. There's... Bad words. Yeah, I guess. I didn't get an R vibe. It's not a big movie. R film, no. <laughs> um, Probably why I didn't do as well. Maybe. So, one thing, just to touch on the whole, like, I kind of want to tie a bow on the Claire thing so we can get into more of the conflict. Joe ends up, like, through inspiration, which he continues to get, to get through the town, realizing that it's more tasteful to shoot her from behind where you yeah. just see her back. Where only, um, I guess, only Alec Baldwin's character will see. Yeah. And they agree with it. They agree to do it. They're not like so happy about it because they think that like her her tits, as they put it, are going to draw in more people. Mm -hmm. But then they go back to that line where like, well, everyone knows them by memory anyway. So what's the big deal? Yeah, everyone knows them by memory. So like, you'll be thinking about them in that. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, oh, God, like, so Hollywood. And then he um, really pushes home again through inspiration of Anne, Joe says, it's a movie. It is about, like, purity. Yeah. 
Originally it was about second chances, but now it's like still about like her purity. This character, uh-huh. she plays a nun, and he's a firefighter. I don't know. Sounds like a really bad porn, actually. <laughs> so maybe William H Macy isn't too far from his Boogie Nights. No, character. I don't. That's one thing here, like the movie within the movie. Yeah, honestly, actually, actually seem like a good doesn't movie. seem like Joe is that good of a writer. No, but like in this world, he is because yeah. who knows? Yeah, it honestly seems more like a Nicholas Sparks thing to be. Like, yeah, to be yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you were alluding to Kyle, though, this, like, uh, Carla and Alec Baldwin's characters. Yeah, Carla and Bob. And uh, Bob so, Berenger. Okay, I guess... F- this Phil- becomes the main conflict of the film. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman ha- likes to go for the... Again, goes for these walks, like, around town. And <laughs> Sorry, he- I'm laughing because it's, like, very midnight in Paris. Yeah, no, <laughs> wow, you know what? That's a... Maybe... Hey... That's a shame. I wish we could have gotten a Philip Seymour Hoffman, Woody Allen. And Woody Allen, that would have been nice. But, um... Joe witnesses also he's walking and there's this big crash and this car flips like hits something and flips over and it was Bob and Carla. Carla, who's played by Julia Stiles, the waitress. Yeah, the we, underage we had, waitress. She's in high school. We had already she's not seen, like ten to be clear. Not that it makes it better or worse, yeah. but you know, just And we had already seen her leaving Joe's room after the whole um Claire, Joe, naked room scenario. Yeah, yeah, we get a little glimpse of that. Yeah, we saw Carla leaving uh, Bob's room. But now we, you know, there's this accident, and obviously police are going to come. They're both, like, injured, so they both need, like, not crazy injured, but they both need medical attention. Yeah, Yeah, medical attention. But, like, this isn't. Bob's first rodeo, so he's telling Claire, "You got it." I'm. Sorry, he's telling Carla. Carla, many, yeah. Similar names in this movie. Yeah. But he's telling Carla. That's why you, I just you like got, you do the actor name. Yeah, exactly. But like, you got to get out of here. And you, and you so, know, you kind of you weren't here and stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because Philip Seymour, he tells Philip Seymour often the same thing, like you didn't see anything, kind of. Yeah. And he, he you know he agrees and he seems a, oblivious. But then we have this whole like cover up. Yeah, a cop comes to speak, but then it seems like one of those moments everything's going to be fine. What's the producer's name again? Marty. Marty. It, yeah. it, Marty, Walt, just know the drill, and they yeah. know exactly what to say. Marty's become a lawyer. I Actually, like, you said the scene's going to be fine, but it's pretty tense. No, it is very tense, but then the cop actually just wants to give Bob a ticket for, like, ruining... Yeah, like, like a, you they, know. They, he had a stoplight or something, yeah. and it's not like... <laughs> and they think they're in the clear. Yeah, and then even, but then uh, Doug realizes at the diner that there was somebody like else involved and well, sees that Carla has a cut on her head. Yeah, he sees Carla has a cut on her head. And then a little bit later, um, well, what's the AD's name? Sorry, I'm forgetting all the names here. Tommy. The AD's wife is pregnant. Yeah. And Walt will not let him leave to see the baby. Yeah. So he's like, like, because like, the baby's like, you know, this is birth here, the birth of his child. And he's like, nah. It's not part of the production. Yeah, not part of the production. Why are you talking about it? Yeah. So he's like wallowing in his sorrows at a bar. Agent Coulson is at the bar wallowing in in his his sorrows. And he kind of slips in that, oh, there was another witness. Yeah. And the witness was Joe, of course. Yeah, the writer. And then light bulb, ding. You know, Clark Gregg is like, I'm going to fuck this production over. Yeah. And he gets... Carla to also say, well, Car- Carla gets upset because he sees Bob leaving Claire's room. Yeah, well, so there's this whole confrontation, right? Yeah. And Carla's lying originally. It, it's Clark Gregg's character, it's Carla, it's Carla's father, and 
she's like playing innocent that she wasn't there and <laughs> but then her little you know teenage heart gets broken yeah but when she sees claire sarah jessica parker's character coming out of alec baldwin's room or coming i don't know they're both naked we get to see alec baldwin's hairy chest yet again <laughs> and what's hilarious about this scene to me and again maybe it shouldn't be hilarious because it's it's underage stuff but it just shows like the sicko in in, in um bob Berenger's character that while he's trying to tell the cops that he didn't do anything, yeah, and while he's like professing his innocence, even though Carla's angry about him, he's also trying to comfort Carla and be like, "Oh, she didn't mean anything to me." Yeah, which is so sinister and so creepy. Because even in that moment when he should just disavow her, disown her, yeah, like not even like let's be honest, if he wants to get away, he's with like this... still trying to keep her on the back burner. Yeah, he like, is. He yeah. is because he like he kind of likes her. It's just this. What a tangled web this film like weaves of exploitive nature of of Hollywood, guess, of Hollywood, and just like Even again, men. like I mean, I guess this film ultimately like one of its themes is like corruption. I guess corruption. We don't talk about themes reverse that often. the theme right of purity of purity. Yeah, of that the like impurity of the in yeah the film in the film. Yeah, the theme supposed to be purity. The film we're watching is corruption yeah. and lack of innocence, kind of not as bad as happiness, but no. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it's that, and uh, yeah, you know, now that we discuss it, it's funny. Yeah, I again, uh, I think that's kudos to like David Mamet that it has that is. I'm not trying to say that plays are smarter than films, but that definitely is for. I feel like plays tend to have really strong themes and think a a bit more and have much more layers to them since they're, let's just say, visually limited. Since, you know, you're on a stage, you're watching, yeah. you know, it's just like between sets and stuff like that. No, no, no I, I definitely know what you're saying there. I definitely know what you're saying there. And and this this starts to become more of the comedy of errors, not so much Joe's thing, even though Joe was a witness. Yeah. So as I mentioned, Clark Gregg does find out that Joe did witness. But then the straw that finally breaks the camel's back is that the mayor is no longer on their side. Yeah, because just to clarify, the mayor is kind of pushing off Clark Gregg's character. He doesn't really like yeah. him. and But as we alluded to before, they miss that dinner, and they're just waiting at that dinner awkwardly. The mayor, the wife, they're waiting for people to come. Yeah, the wife's like, don't even touch that meal yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out, like, uh, since they don't think it's that date, Walt takes um, Sarah Jessica Parker and... Alec Baldwin's character out to like a roadhouse to get drunk, yeah. which we don't see. I wish we kind of saw. That would've been fun, yeah. But they're out of town, and it just screws them. Yeah, and the next morning, the news is there, and Alec Baldwin has been ar- arrested and is being brought to the courthouse. And this is the big moment where Joe is kind of again. I thought there was going to be like a. I mean, Anne says to Joe, like, "You have to do what's right." But I thought there was going to be a bit more of like a dilemma between them. But again, yeah. it's just kind of like... Basically, the producer, Marty, um, in terms of the legal stuff, knows all the angles. So he's been pushing that part aside, and the mayor's been helping him. After this, the mayor doesn't help him. But you're right, there's no real conflict between Joe and Anne. There which could I, be, which, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. The, the potential is there, which I guess is real that the potential is always there but in real life it's not like there's always going to be this crazy drama so true it's you know it, it's it's fair to say that it has that realistic vibe to it walt even 
offers Joe because Joe says to like Walt and Marty that he's going and you know going to be honest or whatever, and they Walt says to him, "Oh, I'm going to let you you know direct the next movie." Yeah, yeah, they're they're get everyone in the production. Marty, Walt are trying to get Joe to lie. Yeah, just say he, not even lie, just say oh, yeah, it is a lie. But so yeah. let's let's throw to this clip. Yeah, what's it all about? I saw the accident. How did they know that? You told them? No. What did you say to them? I didn't say anything to them. That's good. Come here. That's very good. Come here. Have a seat. How do you know you saw it? I don't understand. Perhaps you didn't see it. I don't... Perhaps you didn't see it. I, I saw it. I was there. You were there at... at 10.35? I was walking down the street, and I remember I was writing a... What uh, glasses were you wearing? Were you wearing your reading glasses? I... You told me you were writing. Don't you wear your reading glasses to write? Isn't that what you told me? Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go to the jail. Be strong. You gotta tell him you saw the accident, don't you? I can't do that. If I tell them they'll try Bob for rape, they'll it'll ruin his career. But that's what happened. But they'll stop the movie. Maybe there'll be other movies. No, they'll, they'll blackball me. Carla was in the car, right? What am I gonna do? And this may might be like the silliest moment of the movie. Anne actually stages a fake trial, unbeknownst to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, uh, where she uses the actors in her play. Yeah. To like make a f- like in a courtroom. I guess a little test for Joe. Yeah, test run, <laughs> and he goes in there and he actually lies, and he feels like crap. He leaves town. Well, he's about to leave town, right? He's getting on this train, and someone mentions that the courthouse was also burned down in this this arson. Yeah. And he's like, wasn't I at the courthouse? And then he kind of puts two and two together and realizes that it was a mock trial or something. Yeah. And he's like, I think I... was actually a little confused by this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think he says to himself, he's like, wow, I lied. I feel like crap. Now I know I have to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's a weird gamble for Anne to take. Because what if he didn't lie there? And it's like, see, it felt good. Do it again. You know, it's just like it's it's one of these things. It's kind (laughs) of silly. So I I was confused too until I I thought about like what was going on. And again, it's a mock trial. One of the last things really is that then this guy shows up, and he has a bag of money, for because they needed the eight hundred thousand dollars. Well, yeah, but this is he goes to the real trial then. Yeah. Which is in a different place with a different judge. And somebody shows up with, a, like you said, a lot of money. And it's from the production budget, but they have to cut something else out, they allude to. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a bag of cash. <laughs> and Marty decides to go up to Doug and pretty much say, like, this is your bag. And he's like, what's in the bag? He's like, $800,000. And then Joe is just like, at this point, I need to confess. I need to confess. And he and Anne are walking through the hallways. And they run into the judge leaving his chambers and he's just like, I have something to confess. And then there's just this nice little like exchange between again, like Aunt, like the locals, Anne and the judge, and how are you? And it's funny, like he's just trying to get like his words out and, and Joe keeps getting cut off. 
But yeah. His he wants again. It's the moment of purity. His conscience will be clean. He's d- but he doesn't of, even have to be. Nope. All's because, well that ends well. Kind yeah. of. Agent, Hollywood. Hollywood. Agent wins. Coulson's bribed. Yeah. And it, it's okay. He drops the charges. Yeah. Um, so we get small town politics. Hollywood wins. Hollywood wins. Underage. Uh, yeah. You know, cover up of. Cover up. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how we're supposed to feel about that. I feel good after this film. I do. But when you think about that aspect of it. Like that a statutory rape exists. I feel we're good. not supposed to think like that. I feel you know? good that I know that Joe and Anne are going to be swinging on that porch, just enjoying little moments and maybe writing some stuff together. But Julia Stiles, she's lost her innocence. Sure, she lost her innocence, but you know, again, it's one of these things where it's like a slippery slope. I think a lot in this era and previous things this was more of a joke to make and now in film they don't really joke too much about statutory rape yeah well because now we live in a world of like a lot of social media where we're getting constant reminders that there are plenty of corrupt people that go through this so yeah and it's not, not a bad it. thing not a bad no thing. that's no that's good that a lot more things are brought to light but this is a time before like you know the internet was big and and obviously Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, you're not going to be cell phone videos. You're not going to be crucified by Twitter Nation. Yeah, for for certain things. We could have a whole podcast on just like the obviously the every like everyday new episode of like a leaked video or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and it's true, and and we kind of have to push that aside, and just end with a feel good story. Like you said, it seems like happily ever after. Do you think he stays there, Joe? I think that's going to become like his home base. I mean, so this is he's he's a playwright. Like I feel like he's successful enough that he just wrote for if he just wrote for those small town people, he'd still be happy. Yeah. But still, it's not like he needs to be in New York to succeed. No, and I think well, I think Anne also has a bit of like the hunger that she you know, I mean, if they can afford it, like clearly she has a spot up there. So if they also have a place in New York, true, they could yeah do that'll that. be their summer country home. <laughs> I mean. It's not. It's a movie. It's not a show. But the show. The show oh, we must see. Go by on. the way, we see a clip of the movie. Yeah. And we said it does look really cheesy. Yeah. They start playing, and Alec Baldwin is this firefighter, and Sarah Jessica Parker in the full like penguin nun like <laughs> uniform. She does not look like a nun. No. Uh, but we see the movie. I mean, do you think this is going to be in their world a successful movie? I think so. Again, not in our world. But, no, but like in their world, it's going to be like from, you know, successful playwright, and yeah. I don't know what other movies Walt has done, but seems like it's not his first rodeo at all. He's not this insecure director, you know. It seems yeah. like he's a very established director, especially the rapport he has with the producer. And they even get the website into like the background. It's like, what is it? That's a bazooka. bazooka? It's, it's something weird. It's supposed to be like a Google or an Amazon. I yeah, think. and yeah, they do get it in the background somehow, and like a, it's a haha. <laughs> Yeah, and then just we see again just the life of production, and we and we get that Teamster line of get them the donuts. And... It's the funny thing is, and I think this is why I keep going back to this: why the Philip Seymour Hoffman's angle is my favorite in this film, is that at the end they're the only ones I care about, like what happens going forward. It seems like everyone else will be the same. Everyone else hasn't like learned their lesson. No. They talk about that a lot in writing or like other kind of classes, right? Or change, like we want to see change in people. Like the whole point of watching something is to see your main characters change. Yeah, the main characters that even change. Even if it's are... like crappy reality shows, you see like people change from the yeah. beginning of like Survivor to the end of Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure. 
Joe is a character who changes. Not like dramatically. He changes because he, he's more secure and he finds like I guess what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, he finds kind of like that peace. Just and a small town girl. Serenity, yeah. Living in a lonely world. Anne's changed because she's no longer with, with Clark Gregg. Yeah. And she kind of like finds her happiness. There's, you know, we oh, we get a little bit from like these locals in the movie and we have even have these two old guys that are like the, you know, from the couple from the Muppets. The old guys, yeah. 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 <laughs> and they even say at one point like, oh, she's like, what does she see in him? She's too good for Doug. <laughs> So and then well, I, I, the, the, way, ju- we, the judge says like you two should go off and have a good time, enjoy your day. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that those old people because they're kind of like our window into Hollywood for some reason. They like know like you can't adjust the gross adjusted numbers or stuff like yeah. that. You know, like all this other. They're almost like reading Variety. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're the only characters though that we kind of care about. They're happily ever after. It seems like they're going to take this road show and just go to another town, film another movie. And, and have the same same thing go on. And I mean, jo- Joe is still part, like, even, like, we're, you know, thinking, like, and wondering what he and Anne will do. He still is part of, it's not like he gave up on the movie scene. So he's there, standing there, and, yeah. you know, his rewrites are, they're enjoying it and everything. I mean, maybe he just continues to be a screenwriter. This is definitely, like, again, his first taste into this world. Which, again, this is very similar to Midnight in Paris, that he's, like, now so he's not happy with writing these like Hollywood. <laughs> Maybe this is the prequel plays. to yeah, this is the Paris. He's Owen Wilson's character. She's certainly not Nez, but okay. no. <laughs> yeah, even though it's an R movie, it's 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 a happily ever after ending. Yeah, put a bow on it. It's just a nice wrapped up ending, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, would you recommend this film to other people? Or yeah, I think it's a fun. It's a it's a. It's a simple film, and it's a fun. If you work in production, you'll yeah definitely enjoy definitely it. for. I mean, I know you mentioned um, a professor of yours taught this film, or he teaches this film now, or something. Yeah, we tried to get Tobin Addington on this. Oh, that's uh, right, that's right. Yeah, because he's a very uh, popular guest on Cage Club and Keanu Club, and so uh, we tried to get him on this because he actually teaches this in class, and he's. Uh, made some movies himself, so that would have been great. But busy, 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 busy. And but nonetheless, I, um, I mean, I hope we definitely got across that this is a fun. It's a fun, enjoyable movie. And again, if yeah, you, I liked it. If, it, it, if, it, if, it. if you like the world, I mean, obviously, if you watch movies, you like movies, and this kind of just gives you a bit more of like insight of what goes into making the things. This movie's a lot watch. better than I thought. Is it the perfect movie? No, but it it it's a fun movie. It's a cute movie. Again, for an R movie, which shocks yeah, the, me. The rating an R really movie. Confuses yeah, <laughs> but it's definitely like a cute little production film. And, and our main man, PSH, a nice, nice again, little film. Again, I'll sound like a broken record, but very nice to start to see him in these roles like this, mm-hmm. where he's in most of the film and he's a main character. This man is just constantly building his craft. So big news, big news for next week's episode, but for this Friday, Kyle... Special treat for you folks. You're actually going to finally see the f- faces and the voices that come out of them. Unfortunately, so, maybe for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have faces for radio, some had said. Just like this was a film within a film, you'll be seeing the podcast within the podcast, kind of. The kind of behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. of our podcast, because we will be going live this Friday. Social media strong. <laughs> yes. Live this Friday for one of my favorite films, a film where, I mean, <sighs> we basically base the ending of our podcast, the beginning of our podcast, on Pilsner Hoffman's role in this film. It's something I base a lot of my life <laughs> off of, and just, it's just a, 
what a masterpiece. The coming of age film for our generation, for sure. Yeah, and you know, hey, why, why, why are we refraining from saying its name? Almost famous. Almost famous. So this Friday, tune in to our Facebook PS I Love Hoffman podcast. Yeah, you you'll, you'll see it on the page. It'll come up. We're gonna yeah. be doing it live, live from Chicago, Illinois, Chi Town. Because that's just where we'll be. Yeah, we're just actually. <laughs> yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern. You want to tune in. You want to check us out. I mean, the video will be there later. The episode will be coming out as a regular podcast yeah, the, so following the following Wednesday in Wednesday. case you miss it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, again, thanks for listening. Make sure you hear all the other stuff on Cage Club, Keanu Club, all those other great, great podcasts. Like, share, subscribe. Hey, stay cool, Hoff fans. Stay cool. Thanks very much, guys. Sexy things, sexy things, I believe.